Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. My name is Adam Rothenberg and I host the entertainment platform Call Me Adam and its podcast Burying It All with Call Me Adam. I am so excited to be talking with Ethan Slater. For those of you who don't know Ethan, he starred on Broadway as SpongeBob in SpongeBob SquarePants on Broadway. He was Tony nominated for his role. He has also starred as the legendary Joel Gray on FX's Fosse Burden. And he starred on one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Law & Order SVU. So what brought us here today is that Ethan and his friend Nick, Nick um, Blameyer released a concept album together for a new musical they're working on called Edge of the World. And I'm so excited to introduce Ethan Slater to everybody. Hey, welcome. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I know one of the things that really brought people here is SpongeBob SquarePants. Actually, SpongeBob the Musical, I should say. That was in 2017 to 2018. So I have to know first, what was it like to portray one of the biggest cartoon uh, characters of our time? Oh, man, it was really nerve wracking. It was scary at first because I grew up like surrounded by SpongeBob. All of my friends' sense of humor came from SpongeBob. I would watch it at friends' houses. We would go over after school, and that was the thing that we watched. And so it felt like a lot of responsibility. But then once you push that aside, compartmentalize it and put it off, then it was so fun because SpongeBob is this incredible character, but it's this incredible world. Any Bottom is this beautiful world to live in that doesn't deny reality, but it has its own reality. It's a beautiful place to be. So it was just the most fun thing in the world. Uh, what was the most challenging part? of either playing SpongeBob or the production in general? The hardest part, probably the physicality of it. It was just so physical for two and a half hours nonstop, which I loved. It was also my favorite part of it. I guess the other hard part was just finding the balance between being Ethan and being SpongeBob and how to take this character and be three-dimensional and really human, but also be quintessentially SpongeBob. And that was a balancing act that was most of the work. Now, SpongeBob, it, it only ran a year on Broadway. That's which, right. Before it got on Broadway, how long were you with the show and how much time did you put in to pre-Broadway run? We were working on it in 2012, so that's five years before we got to Broadway. And then we ran for a year, which was really great. We had this incredible fan base. The theater was closing, so we had to close the show. And that was really heartbreaking. It's always heartbreaking when you can't keep on sharing the story that you love and doing this thing that you love. It truly was the best, best job ever. Okay, the one thing that I'll add to that is we got to film it for Paramount Plus, originally for Nickelodeon, and it's now on Paramount Plus. And that is, God, I just feel so, so lucky that that happened. So grateful that Nickelodeon was like, let's, let's capture this in this way. We reached so many more people and you can still watch it. And I hope people keep on finding it forever. Now, I do want to know, so here, you spent five years working on the show. It gets to Broadway, and unfortunately, because the theater was going under this renovation, it only allowed you to run for that year. But you still you still get that notice that the show's closing. Yeah. So what is that? What is it like to, to get that news here? I mean, you've spent so much time on it. And then what do you do the day after the show closes? Did you get up the same way? or? Oh, it's, it's, it was really heartbreaking 
we had a little bit of lead time because it had to do with the theater. It wasn't like a ticket sales thing. Then you realize like you still get to do the show. And, and that final performance was really emotional. The show itself is is all about being with your community and, and appreciating the time you have. And that final song, just six more minutes left, we've done all we can do. We're singing the song and, and whatever happens next, I'm glad I'm here with you. And it was just like, boom. So that is really how we felt. The next day, though, I had a bunch of mail that came to the theater. And so they called me and they were like, hey, you've got like a couple of deliveries that are here. Do you want to come pick it up? And I was like, yeah, all right. So I went back to the theater. I love it. I love it. Cindy here says she took her family to your final performance. And oh, Curtis saw it four times, Chicago, once on Broadway, and once on tour. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. I know the differences between Chicago, but then when we brought it to Broadway, it was probably even different on tour. But doing it in Chicago was this crazy. Like, we had to do it so fast. And then we only ran for, like, you know, downtown trials just like a month or two. And it's just like, ah. Um, and it was, it was such a blast, though. But yeah, I love that. I love people who got to see it in all its different iterations. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. I want to tell you a personal behind-the-curtain story that I may not have fully shared here. For the past two years, I have been part of an amazing community built for and by entrepreneurs called My Sexy Business. We have a wonderful weekly live streaming show called GME. Good morning, entrepreneurs. As an associate producer and roving reporter, I can easily say this show is for you the entrepreneur who is in search of community and getting your questions answered. Our co-hosts and roving reporters share life experiences that will hopefully make you feel less alone on your entrepreneurial journey. We'd love for you to join us every Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at MySexyBusiness.com. And now we're back. But now let's talk about the reason that we that we came together today to talk about Edge of the World, which you and Nick wrote together. So Edge of the World is a musical that I wrote with with Nick Blameyer, and it's about this father and son who moved to rural, isolated Alaska, sort of in the Arctic Circle, where this boy is raised using his imagination to cope with the sort of loneliness of the surroundings, with this sort of imaginative world. And, and as he grows up, the world that's been built around him starts to have cracks in it. And he starts to see what his life really is outside of it. So it's this sort of folk spun, like hand spun musical where hopefully on stage actors will be playing musicians kind of vibe, small cats. So yeah, there is like a stage version of it, but the, the concept album is something that's really exciting because as we were working on this show, we did as an exercise, we just stripped the book scenes away and we, we just went from song to song. And we were like, wow, this is the story. This is the core of the story. This is how we tell it. And then the pandemic hit and the world was shut down for a little bit. We were trying to figure out how we could keep on developing the show that we've been working on without getting in a room together, which was the next step. And we, we decided to go ahead and make this concept album. It was a few months in, about three months in, we decided to start putting things together. We reached out to Norbert, who has been one of my favorite actors and is just one of the best singing actors ever. Best actors ever, but his voice. So we reached out being like, hey, I know that we've met a couple times, but here are the demos and we think you would be the absolute best person to play this role. We would love for you to do it. And he listened and he was like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. So 
that was awesome. And, and he was also like super collaborative about it. He was really into this idea of it really feeling like we were all in the same room, even though we were all over the place. And then Lily Cooper, who's been a good friend from SpongeBob, she played Sandy Cheeks in SpongeBob. We went to school together. I've known Lily forever. Nick and Lily did Tick, Tick, Boom together. And we just sort of knew that she would be the, be the best to do this. So we just got this crack team together and it's been the best. Is the musical, is the, is the whole book finished already? Yeah, so we've written it. We're, we're still working on it. We're trying to bring it to the stage and all of that. I think one of the things that was cool about doing a concept album is that there's more to the story, right? There's more to the plot and there's a lot of visual elements to this stage play. It's theater. But when you're singing, when you're going song to song, we found that we can really tell the core, the emotional core of the story. And so this concept album is Edge of the World and there's also more to it. So I can't wait for you all to see that too. Well, we can't wait to see it. Now, I did come up with a few questions based on the, what I know of the of the album and the show yeah. already. In the press release, it says you are you go to this rural part of Alaska and you use your imagination to cope with your real world. And there's a line between a lie and reality. Mm-hmm. So I want to know when have you crossed that line between lie and Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I feel like one of the big inspirations for this was like the me as a kid. I was sort of like a big liar as a kid. I lied a lot, just like in little ways and big ways and like way too big ways. There's this moment in middle school where I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, lying is like not I should not do that. I should not be telling things that aren't true because I think that I was sort of blending my love of storytelling with my desire to escape and be more fantastical or my imagination to be my real life. I used to tell people that I was being followed by a CIA spy and that I was actually going to be recruited to be an intelligence officer at the wise and old age of nine years old. So I like I, I have like big things that I was lying about. That's so way out there, but I did anyway. And then I would lie about little things. Oh yeah, I did my own work. I just lost <laughs> the classic. Now, did anybody believe your CIA agent story? I would like to think that everyone believed me, but I was also, I was also smart. I was, I was lying. I only lied to the people who I thought would play along, but not that I thought necessarily that they believed me, but I thought that they would play along. But what was growing up for you like in that? Cause you'd mentioned that you used your imagination a lot. So was there something you were trying to escape or were you just being like a theater kid? You were just in that world. It's a little bit of both. I, I I had a really great childhood in some ways, and I had some, uh, you know, you know, my, my mother died when I was very young, and so that's sort of the inciting incident of this show too. The, though our our stories are not exactly the same, but I think that that was that was a big part of it. You know, that was a big formative moment for me. But now on the other end, I have two older sisters who are wonderful, and and my my family is wonderful. My dad's great, but there was there were these things that I was sort of struggling with, I guess, as a kid. And so the imagination part was definitely multifaceted. It was definitely all of these things. I bet you didn't think we were getting that deep, right? <laughs> but you know, that's the thing. That's one of the like weird, wonderful things about releasing an album about a show that's like this kind of story is it is it is really personal and it is really vulnerable. But it's also not exactly my story. And, and these characters aren't me. They're not my family. Uh, and, and yet there is the truth in it that you have to access. So it's sort of tough because as an artist, you're constantly sort of mining those moments for it all and trying to find the truth in there. 
And then when you're going out and you're talking about it like this and you're trying to talk about it as a sort of this product or whatever, it becomes weird again. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's just because it's more public again. And so it's a little weird to talk about it, not just to Nick, who's my friend and collaborator, but to everyone. I do have a few fan questions I just want to quickly go to. Yep. Shiplo does ask, what was the big inspiration behind Edge of the World? I mean, would you say it was your mother's passing or was there something else that was that inspiration? Yeah, it was it was a bunch of it. I mean, I think at the biggest thing to start with was this idea of using your imagination to sort of cope with your surroundings, but to build a world for yourself. That was the first thing that I started with. I think that was maybe maybe the biggest inspiration. But then the rest of it was probably more influential on the story. Yes. Yes. So now Kenley asks, this isn't about Edge of the World, but I do want to get this question. So what yeah. do you want to audition for Broadway? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've loved theater. I've loved acting and writing my, my whole life. And so I just wanted to be doing that. And when I was in college, I was doing a lot of theater and whatever. And, and I, I had realized, okay, let me take it back. When I was a junior in high school, I was in a production of The Producers. And it was awesome. I was playing uh, Leo Bloom and Max Bialystok was my good friend Noah Roberts, who... Um, is still one of the best actors I've ever worked with ever. Um, and he was auditioning for this show in New York while we were doing our high school production of The Producers. He's going back and forth. And he ended up booking the lead role in Brighton Beach Memoirs on Broadway. And it was this unbelievable moment, this huge celebratory moment. On, and I, I remember having a moment there where I was like, okay, well, he's way better than I am. But I, I have seen him do this thing. I, I've seen that he can do it and maybe I can try to do it. And so I was doing a lot of theater in college. I was doing many, many student productions in addition to taking some classes and, and all of that stuff. And I was just trying to do theater. It wasn't about Broadway. I wanted to move to Chicago and do storefront theater and whatever. And I, I happened to audition for an apprenticeship program that led me to auditioning for Broadway. Wow. So it wasn't like I was going and auditioning for a bunch of Broadway shows. I, I really, luckily got my way in to the ground floor of this thing and working on a workshop. So the the point being, I wanted to do theater and I wanted to be acting and I wanted to be writing. And Broadway was always sort of the goal, but that's sort of how it, it just sort of happened that way. Amazing. I did see a question. I can't find the exact username, but I saw somebody say, what was the first song you wrote for Edge of the World? Oh, here, Deanna. Deanna. I think the first song that I wrote was actually Rocks and Things. I had written this little lick which was Alaska, here we come. And I was like, oh, that's sort of cool and fun. And I was doing this driving folk thing. And then I started working on this song from the father's perspective, Rocks and Things. And that was the first one that I fully wrote out and finished. I think I was just really interested in Henry's perspective in all of this. So yeah, that was the first song I fully wrote. Love it. Love it. And wait, I think there was one more I just saw. Oh, here, Lee says... What encourages and strengthens you when you are feeling discouraged? That's a, that's a really awesome question. Uh, There's so many things that are discouraging. I don't know how good an answer this is going to be, but I'm just going to start telling you what I do, which is that on the one hand, I feel like it's really important to let myself feel discouraged and feel frustrated and recognize A, that I have felt this way in the past and B, that I will feel this way in the future again but that those feelings are can be temporary 
And I, I'm sort of a firm believer in a couple of things. One is the get back on the horse kind of thing. And if you feel like you really can't get back on the horse, then maybe you have to try another direction. But I, I am a firm believer. In, okay, well, I'm going to feel really discouraged and really frustrated right now. And then in a couple of hours, I'm going to start trying to do the thing again. And that usually gets me through it. The other thing that I'll say is I'm also a very big proponent of therapy. And I think that sometimes having a therapist to talk to is really helpful in terms of getting to externalize it and, and talk through it. So those are my two things. That's a, that's incredible. And yes, therapy is definitely very, very helpful. I've gone to therapists throughout the years, here and there when I needed some help. But now during the pandemic, did you do any virtual therapy? Yeah. Yeah. And how, how did you find virtual therapy as compared to in-person therapy? I mean, different. It like took some getting used to, but in the same way that virtual recording an album is different than doing it in person. I knew that it was the best option. And then I ended up forming a really good relationship with a therapist who, who was a new therapist for me, actually. I had to find someone new because I'd moved, I'd moved across the country. For me, doing the Zoom therapy was actually very, very helpful, albeit a little different. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm glad you were able to get the help you needed it when you wanted it. And it's great that you are able to talk about it because I know I'm sure a lot of people appreciate the honesty and the vulnerability of it. So yeah, for sure. I think it's a, it's a really wonderful thing. It is. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so I'm a huge Joel Gray fan and you got to play him in Fosse Burden. I mean, did you get to meet him at all or how did you, how did you base, base your performance? Oh yeah. Well, mainly watching videos of him, but I had gotten to meet him um, sort of coincidentally, not not related to this. I got to meet him because he came to see SpongeBob. And oh my God, I had been warned that that Joel Gray was going to be coming backstage. And so I was unbelievably excited. And he came backstage and he walks in. He has handed his pockets and he walks into the room and he goes, what year is it? And I said, 2018 50 years ago today i opened george n in this dressing room oh so i was like God. i know it was unbelievable it was perfect it was like the perfect entrance that was the first thing he said and then i i obviously i had his memoir that i'd been reading or i'd read a few months before and i asked him to sign it and he did oh we had a nice little chat it was awesome and now i have seen him around a couple times and that's super cool too just oh my sweet sweet person do you know if he got to see your your portrayal of him at all i don't know okay i don't know i actually have seen him since then but we have not talked about it okay after after you had that interaction with him at spongebob like the next day that you went into the dressing room did you start thinking oh my god i wonder what joel gray did 50 years ago or what was happening oh yeah i mean there was this this door frame into my bathroom and you could see layers of paint chipped away, like 15, 20 layers of paint. And I know that it doesn't actually go back to the 1918 when that theater was built, 1914 when that theater was built. But I like I like to imagine that Judy's layer of paint is there and Lyle's layer of paint is there. Joel's layer of paint is there. Yes, yes. I, I know there's been a few more fan questions and I want to get to as many as you can. But Tina says, Ethan, your performance as Joel Gray was spot on. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, and Cassie says, yes, I love Bossy Burden. Shiplow wants to know, if you could collaborate with someone, who would it be? 
That's a good question. I have a couple of amazing collaborators that I love, love working with. I feel really great. I, I, I love my collaborators. I feel like if, if there were, oh, I, you know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to think about it because I feel like the answer that I want to go is in a music direction. There's musical collaborators I want to work with. Um, I like, like, with Do like Dolly Parton music and something like that or collaborate with Dolly Parton. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I can't wait to see what you guys would create. <laughs> oh yeah, we we've been texting. So I'll... oh okay. Yeah. Uh, could you get me? Could you get me her number then? Because I I want to have her for Instagram Live. Let me just ask. Okay, that would be. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate. That. <laughs> but what were you gonna say? I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, I I I just don't. I don't know off the top of my head. I feel like there. One of the things that I've loved about my career so far is that everything I've done has felt incredibly collaborative. It's my favorite thing to do, whether it's working with a collaborator as a writer or working as an actor with an awesome director, working with Tino was just the absolute best. I, I love getting in situations that feel collaborative like that, which is why when people ask me what my dream role is, I always really struggle because truth be told, my dream role is finding a writer with whom to collaborate to create something new together. So yeah, I'm not sure. Or maybe you'll write yourself here a dream role. I'll try to do that too. Yes, yes. Maybe with Edge of the World, that that will happen. Oh, here's a fun question. Um, I'm never going to be able to pronounce this username, but I'm going to do my best. Montserrat Cruz. I can get the last part of it. Anyway, do you like waffles? Waffles are great. They sure are. Waffles are wonderful. One of my like great childhood memories is going to the diner near my grandma's house and my sister ordering massive Belgian waffles. And I would steal a slice. I would steal. I never ordered them, but I always would steal it. <laughs> that was perfect. Well, that's good to know that if we if we ever go out to eat and I order waffles, I better keep my eye on them. Oh, yeah. 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 I've got a wandering fork. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever get a fork to the hand for like, don't steal my waffle from your sister? No, I didn't. But I'm worried that now she will. <laughs> well, if I can give her any ideas, I'm happy to help. <laughs> um. Okay, I do want to talk a little bit more about life during the pandemic and, and after. So how did you stay in shape during the pandemic? Aside from, from therapy, like, yeah. how did you stay in shape? I started running during the pandemic. I was never really a big runner. I would go on runs every once in a while, but I started running and I ran an average of five, four or five days a week. And it was really, really awesome. I'm still doing it a little bit. I, I am still doing it. I've taken two weeks off just recently. Uh -huh. And I've been getting back into it this week, which has been an interesting adventure. I don't know why I'm filling you in so much on my fitness journey, but no, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love talking about fitness. I mean, I, I started running about three to four miles each time I would go out. And that felt like a good amount. At the place where I was, I was running, running about four, 35 miles a week, uh, wow. which was really amazing. And it would just be, I would go out in the morning first thing in the morning and for an hour I would just run and it was this wonderful um thing for my for my mental health um yeah how did it help how did how do you feel like it helped your mental health I just always felt clearer and more energized I slept better there was a time when I, I actually injured my ankle at one point during it so I had to take a few weeks off and that was like I, I was just really having a lot of trouble and I realized that it was because I wasn't running it and I think that it's just Especially when I was inside all day writing, just always inside, always on my computer. 
to be outside, get my heart rate up, breathe in fresh air, and also see things and, and expand my neighborhood. I was able to expand my understanding of my neighborhood, and that, that was really important for me. I think that's really great. I, I don't want to say, I, I feel like for a brief second, as you were giving your answer, I started scrolling through some of the other fan questions. So there was like a brief moment where I was like, I hear what he's saying about how it's helping him. And yet I'm half not listening because I'm starting to scroll through because I don't want to miss any. I'm trying to get it through as many fan questions to as possible. There are a few fun ones. Do you like eggs? Alex wants to know. I love eggs. And Cassie wants to know, what, who's your favorite Disney princess? Oh, that's such a good question. I was just with my nephew the other day talking about Ariel a bunch and how much I'll be with Ariel. So that's going to be my answer. I love Ariel. Have you ever... Um, uh, um, oh my God, I just forgot my question. When I think of it, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, right. uh, let's see. I, I can't pronounce this username and I apologize, but what's your favorite musical? It has to be Jesus Christ Superstar. Another concept album. Shiflo says, last question from me. Do you like Coldplay? Yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm like a massive Coldplay fan, but I, I am a casual Coldplay fan and I do like. Oh, this is a great question. A. Jackson says, besides writing and fitness, how else did you spend your time during the pandemic? I played a lot of guitar. I recorded this album. I wrote every day and I watched TV. And those are pretty much my entire things. I love it. I love oh, it. I cooked oh. a lot. I was doing a lot of cooking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What'd you cook? Three meals a day. I don't know. <laughs> Never. But I think that's probably the best answer to that question. <laughs> Debs wants to know favorite cover song. Favorite cover that I've heard of? Favorite cover, cover song, yeah. Favorite cover song from current artists. Good question. I'm not I'm not totally sure. I will say that I'm I was staying in a place with a piano and all I could do was sit down and play one of my favorite piano songs, which is You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. So that's not a cover, but that's me doing a cover of an older song. Uh, but that's definitely one of my happy place on on piano kind of things. Um, I'm not sure what, a, what my favorite cover is. A really great Lucy Dacus does an incredible Left the Yen Rose. Oh, okay. okay. That's, right. that's my weird answer. And Andrea has a great question how what makes you stay passionate in your career uh i mean just being able to work on different sides of stories being able to write and try to tell the stories that are that feel really important to me um but also being able to go in and and help tell other people's stories and be um be a part of that so i think that being able to approach it from a bunch of different angles is is something that really keeps me going you have great energy, so it's great to hear what keeps you going. You're very, you're very upbeat. I mean, it's very, you're very fun to talk to. Well, thank you. You too. I know we have to wrap up, and actually, Tina had a great question, so I want to end with her question. What's the best advice you ever received, and who was it from? Well, I feel like there's so many pieces of advice. I'm gonna pick the one that I've called on the most, which is from my friend Noah Robin who was it, Max Bialystok in The Producers. And I said to him as a junior in high school, he was a senior in high school, I said, what, what's the key to acting? Why are you so good? And he said, I feel like acting is just like making everyone else on stage 
seem funnier than you. And I was like, wow, okay, I guess. And the more I thought about that, I realized like, oh, acting is all about being a part of telling the story and throwing throwing things to people, to collaborating. It's all about collaborating with people off stage. And I guess a rising tide floats all boats kind of thing. He insists he doesn't remember saying that. Just by the record, <laughs> uh, I've mentioned this to him many times, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't think that was 100 percent true with him." But that's probably the best advice I've got. Well, that is terrific. That is terrific. So we unfortunately do have to end for today. I have really loved talking to you. Thank you so much for for being here. Loved having you, and definitely download Edge of the World, purchase it on Broadway Record, stream it on your favorite music platform. Story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him, had him, for the business of show. Call me Adam.com.